I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. So, I'm going to tell you a, a little bit of a feel-good story. I know that's hard to find when we're dealing with gun rights, but it's true. And uh, it, it really is just so ironically delicious that I'm sure my listeners will enjoy it. Let me tell you, this is... Really funny, in my opinion. So, there was a gun show last weekend at Concord in New Hampshire. And it's held at the Everett Arena, which is the ice arena, which is owned by the city, by the way. And the New Hampshire Arms Collector Club rented the ice rink to have a gun show. And look, there hasn't been a gun show at the ice rink for a couple of years now because of the scamdemic so uh the club did a lot of work to make it happen and uh, it's all volunteers and this is just a thing for folks to have a good day go into a gun show find some treasures etc it was a 200 table show so it's a nice size and it's a nice little local show a good thing to do so on Thursday, the club put out these yellow signs that announced the gun show. They're like lawn signs. You know, sometimes you see them for politicians when they're running for election. But it, these were gun show signs. And it uh, announced the show, and that was at the arena, and it would be a one-day show on Saturday. And these were put out on Thursday. Well, late Thursday... It so happened that my wife was driving and saw one of the signs nearby and somebody had spray painted across the sign, murderers across the sign in red paint, murderers, ruining the sign and vandalizing it with the word murderers across for the gun show. Now, of course, this is some emotionally unbalanced idiot who is letting the constant bombardment from the media over the atrocity that occurred in Texas uh, cloud him to the degree where he has the giant non sequitur of somehow a gun show means murders to kids, which is, you know, this incredible leap of illogic and stupidity that the media helps foster. So there this science is murderers and lo and behold a number of other all the other signs were hit with this as well vandalized. These signs weren't cheap for a little gun club, you know, collector club and this guy has spray painted them all in this manner. Well, of course reported to the police and the local news station, which was uh, WMUR, they picked up on the vandalism of the gun show signs. And they're not, you know, completely uh, anti-gun or pro-gun, but they're typical, you know. But, hey, this was a story. So they covered this vandalism of the gun show signs. And in so doing, publicized the fact that Saturday was the gun show and this is what they did to the signs. And 
they repeated this news story all day Friday, showing the picture of murderers on the signs and showing the date and time of the show and talking to people about it and all this stuff. For the whole, it was literally thousands upon thousands of dollars in free television advertising blitzing the local station for the day right before the show. Oh, my God. The show was the most record-attended 200-table gun show, I think, in the history of New England. There were over 2,000 attendees through the door, and the club ended up profiting. And we're talking profiting probably around $20,000 in profit of the gate. It was incredible. It was absolutely the greatest marketing ploy ever, only we didn't do it on purpose. And, and in fact, we had nothing to do with it at all. But looking back, I'm like, damn, why didn't we think of that? I mean, it was incredible. And so, of course, on social media, somebody posted, they caught the guy, uh, you know, picture of the guy. No one knows who he is, but picture of him doing it, and the police are investigating, and they may, in fact, catch this guy. And I guess the question for the club, when they catch the guy, is, is, is should the club criminally prosecute him, or should the club treat him to dinner? I think treating him to dinner might be a better idea because it was just in, in, insane how, uh, what a home run success this uh, woke tard made the show. And so it's a feel good story, I think. And, you know, frequently we see the movements and the efforts by the anti goners backfire and blow up in their face. It is one of the advantages we have on our side because they are such morons and they just let their emotions and you know control them and they do the dumbest stuff and it just backfires. So I always have to laugh. And I'll tell you one thing, whoever this guy is, I hope to hell he knows how much he may help make that show the biggest, most successful 200-table gun show in the history of of New Hampshire. Matter of fact, people that came in said, you know, I knew about the show, but I wasn't going, but I watched that newscast and I got so pissed off, I said I had to go. And there are other people that said, you know, I knew about it and I'd forgotten, but then it reminded me and I'm like, oh yeah, that's tomorrow, I'm going. I mean, person after person, it was incredible. So this is, uh, this is what happens and, and so uh, you know, we've saved the signs and, you know, maybe we'll put out the murderer signs next time too. I don't know, but it really, it was really just wonderful. So I got to tell you, uh, I'm envisioning because I wrote up the story for Ammo Land, which is a great, uh, news, uh, resource for gun related matters. I love Ammo Land. Check out Ammo Land. You see the article I wrote on it for Ammo Land. And uh, 
it's you know the word of it has spread throughout the country. I wouldn't be surprised if there are like gun shows all across the country that end up having murderers written on their signs, you know, because the attendance just shot through the roof. So, hey, whatever works, right? Get the people in. So you can check out the article. Uh, just Google Napping and Ammo Land, and you'll see these articles. Or you can go to my website, uh, which is uh, evannappin.com, and you can check out the link to the article there. Yeah, the name, by the way, of the article is Anti-Gun Activist Stunt Backfires Drives 2,000-plus, quote, murderers, end quote, to local gun show. Plus the video link is there for the local news with their TV video presentation that they did. And uh, the title on this show is, uh, for them, I'm reading it now, it says, Right now, signs deface the head of Concord Gun Show. And that's just blaring across the screen in continuous loops and on the Internet and spread like wildfire and played and played and played. Oh, my God. This guy, like I said, we should buy him dinner. It's amazing. So check that out. Now, I've received some interesting letters. I think we have time now to do... A letter or two, and then in the second part of the show, what I want to go into is some details on the new federal Save Our Kids gun bill that they're rushing through and demanding get passed to the degree that they want to repeal the filibuster and pack the court and everything else. This is this is priority one as the country suffers from astronomical gas prices and the border crisis and every other screw-up that the uh, sock puppet at the White House, his fraudulency, has imposed on us. And, you know, they're just going to focus on this useless, ridiculous, feel-good, do-something bill. But I want to review it with you because it has consequences that will directly affect our gun rights and of course only applies to law-abiding citizens and none of it would have anything whatsoever with stopping uh, some maniac some mentally ill person from committing an atrocity of whatever of course it won't affect that at all so Lee, don't be silly but it's still a serious threat but before i get into that with you here's a letter from rich and Rich says, uh, regarding Florida concealed carry in state borders, I'm a New Jersey resident with a Florida concealed carry. And I was away this weekend and traveled to North Carolina, passing through West Virginia and Virginia before arriving at my destination state. Am I required to lock up my guns and ammo while crossing state lines, even though I can carry in both states? Would that include constitutional carry states as well, like Georgia? So, the question that Rich is asking is, you know, how does it work on interstate transport of firearms? And the way you transport interstate in the safest, best way is under federal law, Title 18, 926A, which allows for preemption protection with a federal law preempt state gun law for the lawful transport of your firearm between the states. And in order to qualify under this, you have to go from one place where you can possess and carry lawfully the firearm to another place 
where you can possess the firearm <coughs> and carry it lawfully. And as long as your gun is unloaded, completely unloaded, ammunition separate, put it in a locked container, separate the ammo. If you have a trunk, lock it in the trunk. You're able to go through the bad states, the states that don't respect the Second Amendment. And you can transport through those states with your firearm in such a manner. As long as your beginning and ending destination cover you. Now, if you're leaving from New Jersey and you're leaving from your home, well, the exemption under NJS 2C396E allows you to possess and carry in your home a firearm. So you qualify by leaving your home, and as long as your ending destination, in this case, uh, Florida with a Florida carry, where you'd be allowed to carry, would cover you for your entire transport as long as you transport in the manner that I just discussed. Now, if you get to states in your transport and travel where it's lawful for you to carry in those states, either by reciprocity or by constitutional carry, then while you're in the states where it's legal for you to carry it, then as long as you obey the law of those states, you can carry it. You're fine. But before you leave that state, make sure you put it back in the federal preemptive mode of unloaded in a locked case, put in your trunk or as far away from the passenger compartment as you can get it, ammunition separate. You can look up online, Title 18, 926A. It's also explained in my book on New Jersey gun law. And you're back on the road carrying it under federal preemptive protection. So during the time you're transporting it and uh, you're going from one place you legally can't possess and carry to another, that's how you invoke that coverage. But if when you stop on the way you end up in states where it's legal for you to possess and carry, then you can do so in that state under the state's law and then resume your federal preemptive protected transport of your firearms. Okay, see you in a few. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Hey, folks. Okay, welcome back. And I'm so glad you're listening to Gun Lawyer. I 
of my uh, listeners, loyal listeners, and I really appreciate it. Gives me a chance to get the word out to help to protect law-abiding gun owners from becoming law-abiding criminals. Uh, you got to stay aware of the ever-changing laws, and I try to keep it really current and up-to-date and things you need to know. Make sure you tell your friends, subscribe to Gun Lawyer anywhere you get your podcasts. Now, in regard to what I just said, I want to talk to you about this brand-new federal bill that they're trying to jam down our throats. And the media hype and the hype, you know, the blood dancers are out in force. They're trying to push this, you know, bill before the bodies get cold. I mean, this is how they are. You know, politicize it. Don't let a tragedy go to waste. And boy, the anti-gunners sure don't want to let that happen here. So here are the folks that have pushed this bill through. Uh, uh, Jerry Nadler introduced it uh, on May 31st. And uh, also uh, Mr. Thompson of California, you know, and Sheila Jackson Lee. Okay, there's the uh, trio right there. And you know how much they love and respect the Second Amendment, right? So they're putting forward this bill, this federal bill, trying to jam it. And they know, you know, they have the majority in the House, but the real problem is going to be getting it through the Senate. And the Senate's real tight. And the filibuster makes it so that it can't pass. So they're going to try to use it as an excuse to get rid of the filibuster. If they get rid of the filibuster, instead of 60 votes being needed, all they need is a majority. And with the Senate split 50-50, the vice president, Harris, gets to make the deciding vote. And so unless we get friendly, gun-loving Democrat or two on our side, they can jam this thing through if they get rid of the filibuster, which would require that 60-vote threshold. And let me just tell you, if they get rid of that filibuster, they want to do it not just because of guns. They want to do it because they know in November the entire power shift, the, the extinction event of the Democrat Party power is going to take place in November because of how horrible the conditions in America have become with gas prices record high and inflation and baby formula shortages and the, and the absolute debacle of pulling out of Afghanistan. And the list goes on and on and on and on of just everything that they could do wrong and screw up they have. And this red wave is going to hit in November. They know it. They know it. So if they can get rid of the filibuster, they can try to jam through things now that they know they're not going to be able to even have seen the light of day when November election is done and the power shift occurs. So there's a lot behind this. They want to push to get that. But I'll tell you what, I don't want them to remove the filibuster. I, I like the filibuster. I understand its, its use, potential, reason. I get it. But I'll tell you something. The last time they removed the filibuster, they did it for judges. And when they removed the filibuster for judges, well, that, that was the door open for, oh, for President Trump to appoint three pro-gun judges to the U.S. Supreme Court. 
And if the filibuster, which hadn't, which had been removed, the judge's filibuster was removed by, by started, this whole effort started with Harry Reid removing it. And guess what? That gave President Trump the ability to give us a court that's hopefully going to give us one of the best pro-gun decisions by the end of June, by the end of this month. By the end of this month, the session for Supreme Court ends. There are about 33 cases out there that they have to release the opinions. And one of them is the New York State rifle and pistol case versus Bruin. And that case should finally open up carry for New Jerseyans and all these other states that try to repress it and make it clear once and for all that the Second Amendment applies outside the home as well as inside. And that wouldn't have been possible without President Trump's three pro-gun appointments. And those three pro-gun appointments wouldn't have been possible if the Democrats had left the filibuster in place for judges. So, you know, they're threatening to remove the filibuster now. Like I said, I don't want to see it. But you know what? These things, again, like the guy spray-painting the signs, murderers, these things love to blow up in their faces and backfire big time. And that's what Democrats are great at. They're great at having it backfire big time. You know, Democrats are like the wily coyote of politics, you know, where they try and it always blows back on them. You know, the anvil lands on their head and all that. Yeah, that's, that's how they operate. So, but look, that doesn't mean we, we need to ignore threats. We can't. So I want you to be aware of what's they're pushing. And this bill, they always have to give it some fine propaganda name. So this one is, uh, you know, Keep Sid Kids Safe Act. If you want to see it yourself, it's H.R. 7910. You can read it. So first thing it's going to do is going to raise the age for firearms from 18 to 21, even for long arms. So, yeah, you can get, you know, you can go to war for your country at 18, but you can't go and get a gun until you're 21. Uh, this is uh, part of the Democrat mentality here. Uh, make sure that everybody suffers because of the wrongful acts of a few. It's always the lowest common denominator standard. And so we got to you know, raise the age. That's part of what. And, of course, they're ignoring the recent California, of all places, the Ninth Circuit California case that said, uh, having the age raised over 18 is unconstitutional. But, look, constitutional questions never bother Democrats. You know that. But it, at least that's out there. Then the other part of the bill is to uh, prevent gun trafficking, like not enough is done to prevent gun trafficking. But, all right, so they add some more in for gun trafficking and straw purchasing. All right, and then untraceable firearms is a section. Now that is, of course, our good friend, the scary ghost guns. Oh, my God, run and hide, ghost guns. Yeah, you know, what's called guns that you make yourself at home that we've done since before we were a country. You know, serial numbers were not required even till 68 on manufactured guns. And the problem is what's behind the whole thing on untraceable, the real push is mandatory Firearm serialization so they can register all the guns. It's really about gun registration, folks. Don't forget it. Why is it about registration? Because registration is how you get confiscation. And that's the gateway 
This is what they're trying to do. So they mandate everything have a registration number. Every gun. Ever. And that's how you confiscate. And that's why they've illegally and unlawfully created a database of all the closed dealer records that they were archived. Databased almost a billion records. That's why Biden and company are mandating dealers keep the records even beyond 20 years. It used to be if it was 20 years or older, you could throw them away. No. Every record. And that they're closing dealers down at a, at 500% increase. Why? Because they get the records. And then they want to mandate every gun registered. The whole plan is registration for confiscation. And the whole untraceable firearm thing is that's what it is about. Okay? That's what it's about. So part of their ghost gun bill that they're putting here, part of this untraceable firearm, which you may want to be very aware of, is it also creates a ban not only on the unserialized parts and the normal BS, but also bans machines that solely make firearm parts, whatever that means. Now, in other words, I'm sure if you own a ghost gunner, you know, CNC machine or 3D printer with that program, etc., they're banning your possession of the tool. The tool that could even be used for other things. Well, it doesn't matter. This is what you exclusively, this is what you wanted for, you want for gun. I can just see it now. So it's not just the parts, but they're trying to ban the machinery. And you know how this goes. You just expand these things to cover things that were e never even intended to be covered. I mean, this is opening the door for some serious problems for individuals that like to do their own home gunsmithing and repair. It's a problem, and that's built into the bill. Then they're trying to create now a federal safe storage bill. That's right. Federal mandate that you have to lock up your gun safety and mandate that your guns be locked up. That's in the bill, a federally mandated and then get local enforcement by getting, you know, grant and aid. Otherwise, they don't get the money. The state doesn't get the money if they, uh, if they don't do it. So it is very problematic. This federal push on locking up your safety has a lot of hidden danger because it limits our right to self-defense, and it will be used in that manner and that's of course their goal uh you know do you really responsible gun owners secure their firearms responsibly a federal law written in such a way is going to be used to go after law-abiding citizens and create more cases and confiscation and by the way guns that are utilized in this with under federal law if you don't, if it's if it's not properly stored according to how federal law wants you to do it, your gun is forfeited as part of it. So it's actually also a gun confiscation scheme by the federal government, and it's built right in to take the gun, seize the gun. There's also a requirement that anyone who is uh, 
manufacturer or importer of firearms are required to put government propaganda into the sale of every firearm and every every gun uh, sold has to have a uh, statement in it saying about uh, uh, safe storage saves lives mandated by every manufacturer now you know i think in some degree safe storage can save lives it's true but the problem is how does safe storage get defined and enforced and then when you have the arbitrary means of requiring quote safe storage to the standard that the federal government wants to see it where essentially you're going to like take the bill in new jersey right now mandating that your handgun be locked up separate from ammunition that it can't be loaded even when it's locked up so that if you're attacked at night in your home intruders you have to ask them just to wait a minute while you get your gun out of one lockbox your ammo out of the other lockbox and load it well let me tell you something that kind of safe storage doesn't save lives it costs lives it costs lives of innocent law-abiding citizens who are forced into a mandate of what a government arbitrarily deems is safe, quote, storage there. Just bad news. So they're putting that into the federal bill. Also keep in mind that another component of it, of this federal bill, is a magazine ban, a so-called large-capacity magazine ban. That's right, just like we had in 1994, only worse. It does uh, grandfather magazines. So if you have magazines that are over 10 rounds, if you're in Jersey, you shouldn't have any of them. But if you're not in Jersey and you have them, you can rest assured they're going to skyrocket in price. And as this bill is jammed through the house, you can rest assured there's going to be a run on all magazines over 10 rounds. Time to stock up in case this thing passes. But let me tell you something. It's not just magazines, which I found to be uh, pretty interesting, it applies uh, to the following. And let me just read this to you because it's kind of shocking. It is um, a large capacity magazine device is uh, going to be restricted and it is defined as including even a feeding strip so even a stripper clip as we call that gets prohibited plus any belt any drum any mag so it's very broad and uh yeah there's grandfathering but uh this is going to have wide-ranging impact and if nothing else is going to impact the market and it's going to make it difficult for the uh, handguns that are very popular that hold over 10 rounds. So we're going to end up back in the 1994 days where the manufacturers are just going to have to make smaller, more deadly handguns that have bigger calibers but only hold 10 rounds and are even smaller and more concealable and, and more powerful. So, again, there may be that backfire 
on the anti-gunners aspect that took place definitely in the 94 bill, which gave us an amazing class of great concealable 10-round larger caliber uh, handguns. And I suspect we'll see even modern development of that, again, helping with your ability to conceal, carry, constitutionally in at least half of America, a more concealable, more powerful, more deadly handgun. So, again, there may be a positive side, but you want to be aware of these things. you got to stay vigilant. This is just some highlights from what I picked up. I'm sure you'll watch the show uh, as it unfolds out of D.C., or should I say the circus, over this. Till then, this is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.